When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Another Dolphins podcast. This is a show we have only been able to do twice in the last two years. That is a playoff game preview. The Miami Dolphins are headed to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Joining me for this episode of Another Dolphins podcast at Brian Cat NFL Cat. It's good to see you again. Uh, good to see you too, Jake. Uh, you know it is it is the playoffs for the second year in a row. And hey, you know I think last year. Where when Skylar Thompson was in a quarterback going down to Buffalo, we expected a spanking, and then there we are in the fourth quarter with the lead in Buffalo. So hopefully the Dolphins can can put everything behind them and and come out with a win here in Kansas City in the frigid temperatures. That Buffalo game was very incredibly surprising, especially when you're down to your third string quarterback. What would you say to kind of put you on the spot here off the top of your head? What was the biggest thing you might have learned from that Buffalo playoff game that you maybe didn't know about this Miami Dolphins team? Skylar Thompson sucks. I mean, he's, he's a <laughs> developmental quarterback. I mean, uh, look, I can't blame Skylar Thompson. He is what he is. He's a seventh round pick and doesn't have that strong of an arm. He's got some mobility, but uh, you know, what, what was, I think it was like 16 for 45 or something like that. And the Dolphins had the lead in the fourth quarter, and then he threw that awful interception. And, you know, Bills just steamrolled from there. Kind of like this past week. I uh, I couldn't believe they didn't use his legs more. But, hey, I, I like we're going in different directions here. I was going to be a little more positive and bring up Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. No matter what the temperature is, those guys aren't wearing sleeves. Zach Sealer came out on Thursday saying he's not mixing up his routine, his traditions. He's going to be out there in Kansas City. It's going to feel like negative 25. He's not going to be wearing sleeves. And that's where I think I wanted to start this game preview of how this Miami Dolphins defense can, for maybe the second time this year, contain Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City offense. Remember back when these two teams met in Germany, the Chiefs won 21 to 14, but probably the biggest game play of the game was a Tyree kill fumble that was returned 60 yards for a touchdown that really, really just kind of warped every expectation we had. But Looking ahead to this playoff game, looking ahead of how Miami can be successful with, you know, uh, the Roadhogs at, at edge rusher, uh, it starts with Zach Sealer. It starts with Christian Wilkins. And based on last year, I'm really excited what these guys can do in a primetime statement game. Yeah, and I've got to start by saying, uh, you know, it's only fair. Last week on this show, I said Christian Wilkins was a fraud against these big teams. And I had I had evidence and data to back that up where against the Bills, he had one sack in nine games. Well, Christian Wilkins had what should have been the play of the year 
against the Buffalo Bills, sacking Josh Allen in the fourth quarter and then ripping the ball away for a, a Dolphins possession that in the fourth quarter, where if the Dolphins go up two scores uh, on the, on that drive, you probably win the AFC East. So had a fantastic game and he and Sealer combined are a great tandem. It's always been about money for me with Wilkins, but yeah, I mean, how it factors in here is that the Dolphins advantage in this game, one advantage that they do have, and they don't have many, but they do have this one is they are better than the chiefs at both running and stopping the run. And you take a game like this where it's supposed to be, you know, between five and 10 degrees out. And that's a big advantage to have in this one. The the Chiefs have advantage in other areas. Mahomes is probably the better quarterback. Uh, they're playing in Kansas City. The Chiefs are to some extent used to playing in that type of weather. But if you can run and stop the run like the Dolphins can, and they've been able to do for most of the season, that's, that's definitely something uh, in the positive column. Isaiah Pacheco is such a physical runner. I don't know if you saw this clip. There was um, it was one of the Giants playoff runs. They were playing in Green Bay, and the temperature must have been like a negative 15 or so. And they were talking about the first play of the game. It was Brandon Jacobs, just a five-yard run to the outside. And he absolutely ran over Charles Woodson. And it just kind of set the tone for that entire game. And, and like it kind of pushed the Packers defense back on itself. They kind of tripped up because the entire stadium heard just the physicality of this play and how playing in this temperature is different. How do you feel about how Miami's defensive front matches up against someone like Isaiah Pacheco? Obviously, I don't think Jalen Ramsey's going to be down there at the line trying to tackle him, but you have some feds coming in like Bruce Irvin, Justin Houston, where I don't think they're going to walk onto the field and say, oh no, running back's hitting me hard. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, as far as the actual one-on-one -on -one matchups are concerned. The Chiefs have one of the best interior lines in the game, and they're, they're all healthy still. You know, Joe Tooney at left guard, Creed Humphrey at center, and Trey Smith at right guard, and that's where Wilkins and are going to line up against. Um, they're the tackle spots where Don tackle should play, and Juwan Taylor uh, has been a, a huge disappointment for them. But, you know, the Dolphins are without their top four edge rushers. So they're, they are, like you said, pulling people off the street. So they, they signed Justin Houston. They signed Bruce Irvin, who are 34 and 36 years. Uh, you know, so that's it's going to be on Vic Fangio in this, not only to get pressure on the quarterback, but to really revamp pretty much his entire defense in one week. Because you've, you, you have not only – nothing of what you had on the outside at outside linebacker DN, but you're pulling people off the street and inserting them into the lineup here. Considering that, and you know, you have injuries everywhere. Javon Holland's questionable. We saw him take himself out of the game last week due to his knees injuries. He just couldn't really keep up on the field. Deshaun Elliott's another one who's questionable. He suffered a calf injury in warmups last week. Um, I guess he was the plan for him wasn't to practice this week and then just tend to be ready for the game so he doesn't overdo it. Xavier Howard, we know he's already out. So looking at this Miami Dolphins depth chart and what they're working with, what do you think is that first advantage or opportunity they should try to take a, a advantage of just looking at the rosters well if you look at the chief's depth chart and what where they've struggled this year i mean it's been a a horrid year for their receivers and you know travis kelsey almost a thousand yards but it looked like him not, not the 13 1400 yard receiver of years past but still one of the best tight ends in the game and i i do think he's out for revenge and and to prove some people wrong and he's got a little bit of a, more of a chip on his shoulder as the playoffs approach i think but 
if you're going to play a playoff game where you're missing Xavier Howard and you've got two safeties are questionable, this is probably the game to do it because, you know, Rasheed Rice, almost a thousand yards as a rookie on the air. But after that, it's, it's been a bad year for them. A wide receiver, Marcus Valdez, Scandling, just Watson have come up with plays occasionally, but week in and week out, it's been a problem for the chiefs. The last time these two teams met, Justin Watson actually led the Chiefs with five receptions. Um, excuse me, five targets. Kelsey was targeted four times. Noah Gray was targeted three. Same was true for Sky Moore, MVS, and Nicole Hardman. Rasheed Rice, who has really become their big play threat, he was only targeted twice in that game. Uh, seeing that the Chiefs, at least last time, I mean, it was, what, week nine? They were still looking for answers in the season, maybe hoping one of these wide receivers could catch fire. Uh, do you think that this is going to be another scenario where the Chiefs are kind of looking for answers, or do you kind of see them growing that trust with Rasheed Rice, who has really taken off in recent weeks, and obviously Travis Kelsey, where you know they're going to maybe try to funnel it to those guys because they can trust them? Well, if you look at last game against the Chiefs, it was the final game Jalen Ramsey didn't play in before mm-hmm. the bye week and before the Raiders. He came back in the Raiders game. Xavier Howard, I believe, was playing, but if he was playing, he was playing hurt. Yep. And yeah. so R- Ramsey's better than Howard. So at, at the cornerback spot, the you've got a little bit more of an advantage in, in this game than you had in the last one. And, and you look at the Chiefs receivers, and they're they're the same. They're the same that they were last time. So but you look at, again, going back to the last matchup, the Chiefs put up 14 points of offense all in the first quarter. The Dolphins' defense shut them out in the second half, which makes that game an even bigger shame that they didn't win. Um, so, but really, this to me looks like a Chiefs offense that is going to try to figure this out in the offseason. I mean, because they put too much on Patrick Mahomes' ability to improvise and just run around and create pockets and create time. And it just hasn't worked with those receivers. So it's it's not it's it's a game the Dolphins defensively, even with all of their injuries, still could hang tough. It's not the Chiefs of years past. Yeah, and, and kind of thinking about last week too, you had Josh Allen, which their entire game plan, it wasn't it wasn't the scheme that let Josh Allen kind of work his way back into the game. It was just playing backyard football. And I'm, I'm interested to see coming off of having to deal and chase around Josh Allen and chase around Lamar Jackson, how that can kind of help you prepare for someone like Patrick Mahomes. I'd argue the one, the player who's the best behind the line in a scrimmage out of those three is Mahomes. I don't think we'll see him scramble as much. I, I could even be wrong about that. He does have quick feet and he can move down the field. Uh, I just hope they kind of stick to what they did last week. I think the only reason the Buffalo Bills won that game, you could even go back to the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's limiting those big plays that kind of just give you six points so quickly. The you know 59-yard fumble recovery for Brian Cook, the punt return last week. I mean, the Chiefs scored two touchdowns in the first half on offense, and both of those even, I mean, 11-yard pass and 17-yard pass. Yes, those are closer and you're in the red zone, but I mean, we see how strong this Vic Fangio defense is at that you have to crawl down the field and get first down after first down, especially they make those 10 last 10 yards, even though, you know, Jerome Baker's not out there to make that monster tackle at the one yard line. They make those last 10 yards so hard and they're the most important 10 yards in all of football. So how does the Miami Dolphins defense really put a lid on this Chiefs offense from kind of finding that change that turns into a big play that you're not really expecting? I remember this game on those two touchdown drives. It was so difficult for the Chiefs to to drive the length of the field. Now things are different now because without Bradley Chubb, without Jalen Phillips, I mean, 
you're talking about your, your edge setters on the outside who played very well in that game. So now you've got Emmanuel Ogba and you got Melvin Ingram starting. I'd say Melvin Ingram played outstanding in the last game. Maybe he does have a couple, um, a couple left here. Maybe he does have another good game or two left. And but we'll see. And but also too, Mahomes is somebody. Who I, I mean, I'd never say that it's it's good that you don't pressure the quarterback or get heat on the quarterback. But Mahomes is also one of those guys too, where when you get pressure on him, he kind of starts to get going. He moves around the pocket more as, whereas if you're not getting as much pressure, he stays a little bit more stationary in the pocket. So we'll see how the dynamics of that change. But as far as the dolphins top three edge rushers, now Melvin Ingram, Emmanuel Agba and Justin Houston, all ex Kansas city chiefs. So can it be a revenge game of some sort for all three of these guys? That'd be something, wouldn't it? That, w- that would definitely be something. Um, something Vic Vangio came out and, and said this week, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, was they don't want to use Christian Wilkins lining up as a defensive end this week. Um, just to maybe, I mean, not maybe, obviously, you know, if you're going to have a couple brand new edge rushers out there, you're not going to have a better duo to put them with than Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. Uh, but do you feel confident in this team's ability to stop the run? Because that's kind of what I was thinking. If the Miami Dolphins are going to go to Kansas City in this freezing temperature, force, you know, some of these wide receivers to have some uh, games they haven't been having this year. I kind of thought it'd be an interesting idea to put Wilkins maybe at defensive edge and just make that defensive um, line a just absolute wall that, that you're not getting a, not going to get by one way or another. Well, you just identified why I don't usually pay attention to press conferences as much as other people, because uh, if Vic Fangio said that, then I'm more inclined to believe that they're, they're going to do that, that they're going to play Wilkins more at edge than I otherwise would have. So yeah, I I mean they're they're going to put him. He's one of their best. Wilkins is one of the Dolphins' best defensive players. They're going to put him in the best spot. And you know, for the year, the Dolphins. If you take out really the Ravens game, uh, it's been almost three months since the Dolphins have been gashed against the run. I mean, mm-hmm. just even last week. I mean, look, James Cook thirteen carries for thirty six yards last week, and earlier in the season, Cook had twelve for twenty nine. You know, so you're talking about one of the top running backs in the NFL. You know, there've been some instances of, of, of running backs doing well. I mean, Pacheco in the last game, 16 carries, 66 yards, a little over four yards a carry. That's good. I mean, but you know, I, I depend on the dolphins to be able to stop the run comfortably with sealer, Raekwon Davis and Christian Wilkins. So that that's gotta be part of it because if they don't stop the run, they don't have a whole heck of a lot else on this defense or on this team. I completely agree. And and looking at that back end there, would you, how would you use Jalen Ramsey? Do you feel, is it putting him on one side of the field? Do you really use him as that queen on the chessboard and just moving him all over the place? And if so, who is, who is that going to be on? I wouldn't move him all over the place unless you're going to do that to, uh, to Travis Kelsey. And, you know, last game, Kelsey, three catches, 18 yards. So against the Dolphins. So whatever you did last game to Travis Kelsey, you could bet the Chiefs are going to try to outthink the Dolphins on that, and they've got to be ready for that. But whatever they worked on, did on Kelsey last game certainly worked. And it would be interesting to see, too, where, you know, what's so f- even more frustrating about the Bills' loss is that you can't blame – I can't blame the people that we usually blame. Like, Eli Apple had the game of his life. He took – you know, he gave up some big plays, too. But 
had two just out of his mind forced turnovers. The, you know, at the end of the first half, he helps in that stop at the one yard line and he gets the interception that takes three points off the board. If he can repeat that performance again, that would be huge for the Dolphins, especially with all the defensive backs they've got. That's, that's what this game's going to come down to. Who are going to be those guys that, you know, we haven't really shared their story about uh, Merrick and Josh yesterday brought up Brandon Jones as like a, a star player to watch just because of how this Chiefs team's going to try to attack. I think that Brandon Jones is a wrecking ball who can Travis Kelsey famous last words. I don't think he's going to juke by you. I think he's more likely to run people over and Brandon Jones kind of seems like a nice counter to that, but is there anyone else you also had in mind too, who we haven't really talked a lot about who, who might be the guy. I like, what was said about Jones, because I mean, already a, one of the best blitzing safeties in the league that hasn't been able to showcase that a lot this year. And you might be able to do that a little bit more in this game where, you know, don't have a lot of just pure deep speed. They don't have a lot of talent in general at the wide receiver position. So having him back there in a starting role, if, if Elliot or Holland don't play, not only would, would be a good fit in this game, but would also would also allow the Dolphins to maybe use them a little bit more creatively too. But aside from him, you know, it, the Dolphins are playing with a lot of bare bones here in, in this game. And I would like to see a little bit more blitzing from David Long too. Uh, we mm-hmm. haven't been able to see that as much, but he is an inside linebacker that, that, telegraphs that he's going to blitz a lot and then doesn't come with it. At least we saw that a little bit more in the middle of the season. I'd like for them Mm -hmm. to come with it a little bit more in this one. Let's really get after Mahomes. Music to my ears here. Let's take a little break here. On the other side, we'll flip the script, talk about the offense. So, Kat, what was your reaction to that final drive last week, the Chase Claypool out route resulting in an interception? Uh, we've had a few days to stew on it, so I don't know if I would have asked for your reaction right after the facts. We might have had to be a one long beep, but uh, as you've had a couple of days to digest it, how do you feel about how the offense kind of sputtered out there? Well, I'm glad we don't do this on Sunday night or Monday because <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I'm re- I, I certainly wasn't ready for it. But to, to answer your question, uh, Sam Munson with uh, Pro Football Focus on, on, on his podcast put it well, just paraphrasing what he said is that looking at that play, yeah, I think you can make the argument that Chase Claypool should have run a better route and mm-hmm. undercut the second guy and gotten to that spot quicker than Taylor Rapp did. You can make that point. The other side of this, how do you get yourself in a position where with a minute 20 left, you're throwing to chase Claypool in double coverage. So it was a failure all around of the coaching staff on Tua on chase Claypool. And it's going to lead to a, a, another conversation in the off season too. That is going to be fascinating to me is when you combine the snaps of chase Claypool, Robbie chosen Braxton Berrios, river Craycraft, basically every receiver three through the rest of the depth chart, you come away with about 1400 snaps. Okay. So given that after Hill and Waddle, and if we're having such problems with these third, fourth, and fifth receivers being unable to separate, I absolutely am, am in favor of drafting a wide receiver in the first round to put this offense over the top, even if that might seem uh, like that's not the Dolphins' biggest need. Of course it is at wide receiver. But it's not going to – the top three quarterbacks in the AFC – 
uh, in terms of their seeding. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It's the same thing every year in the AFC. Tua is not that quarterback, okay? And he's the next level below. He can, He's not a one-man rucking crew. So if you can't get your quarterback to the level of those top three guys, you need to surround him with, a, with even another weapon so that it becomes insurmountable for the opposing defense. Do you think it's based on that or – I, I have the same concern, but I mean, if Mike McDaniel is supposed to be the, the offensive mastermind, I think he's supposed to take some of that weight away. It, it, could it be possible that this offense is so based around the skill sets of Hill and Waddle that it's just so hard for another receiver to come in where if you, there might be an opportunity somewhere to adjust the scheme a little bit and open the playbook up for a couple other guys just to give them some easy targets where, you know, you have Durham Smythe back-to-back games, 50 yards, something little like that. It just seems like Braxton Barrios getting two targets per game is a little silly. Seeing River Craycraft, someone who's been in the system for so long, the Dolphins absolutely struggling with depth at, depth at receiver with Jalen Waddle out, Tyree Kill off the field. Craycraft was targeted on, I think, the first drive and then wasn't again for the rest of the game. So I just wonder if it is the wide receivers or if Mike McDaniel can kind of do something on his end to add a little relief. I'm not trying to blame or anything, but I'm just trying to find something in the margins to swing in their favor. Well, I agree with you in theory that that should be happening and these receivers should be schemed open a little bit better, but it's just not happening. And mm-hmm. outside of, of course, Hill and Waddle, there were major separation issues with these receivers in this game. Oh, yeah. And it, it comes down to the same thing. I mean, we saw it in the first you know, Two years with two in the NFL. We saw it uh, in this past game. If you cannot separate uh, well as a wide receiver, you can't play with two target by Loa. That's what it has to come down to because he is not somebody who is going to throw jump balls. He is going to identify the guy that is open and is separating, and he's going to put it in the right spot. But when you look at the last few games, really the miscommunications, it's often with Cedric Wilson and it's with Jace Claypool in this game. Very simply because if they don't separate at an elite level, Tua is still going to try to throw to a spot. And mm-hmm. either the receiver is not going to get there or he is throwing to a guy that is not going to come open either. The Dolphins offense might not have to worry about that as much this week as of Thursday. It sounds like both Raheem Mostert, the lead leader in rushing touchdowns, and Jalen Waddle. Uh, are trending in the right direction to play. So tell me a little bit about how much of an impact that adds, uh, because you can go back to last week and say, hey, Devon Achan had such a big game, but I do think there's a way to kind of uh, separate the targets a little bit more. We're having Raheem Moster and Devon Achan, and you can have them both be very strong um, pieces of this offense. And, and one final note here, I apologize. The uh, Dolphins averaged 5.6 yards per carry last time they played the Chiefs, and that was without Achan in the lineup. That's exactly right. And, HN two carries for one yard in the second half last week. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. And to, to what you were saying there, Raheem Mostert and Waddle are expected back. That would, if, if you could even get Waddle back, but Mostert back as well, I would like to see in a game that's five degrees where look, you're probably not going to want to uh, against this defense throwing the ball 35 to 40 times. If you, if you are, it's probably because you're losing. So therefore I want to see some creativity with Mostert and with Devon Achan in the backfield here, because if the demonstrated the ability to run the football 
very well. They've just got to stick with it uh, in a game like this where, look, I, I don't expect the Chiefs to blow the Dolphins' defense. I don't expect them to blow their doors off in a game like this. So keep the game close, and you've got to, you've got to stay patient with the run too. With that, I, I think there's a lot of creativity with a few end-arounds and different things the Dolphins can do in that department. Uh, idea that just popped in my head, everyone's going to probably turn off the podcast when I say this, but I mean, if you have Raheem Mostert, Devon Achan, Jalen Waddle, and Tyree Kill all out in the field together, you're telling me when it's negative 15 degrees, um, anyone's going to be prepared to tackle Chase Claypool on an end-around? We saw him do that a couple times this year. That kind of just popped into my head where I think the Dolphins could really have some fun. I, I like the idea of leaning in behind Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson on that um, right side of the offensive line. And Again, I, I don't think, see this as a way of, uh, you know, trying to discredit Tua or anything like that. But, I mean, I would love to see them run the ball 60 times and just kind of stick with it and say, hey, Mike McDaniel, you're a run game coordinator. It's negative 15 degrees outside. Let's just run the football time and time again. I agree with you. And then, you know, set up some easy Tua passes from from that point. And, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm a little surprised that the Dolphins haven't tried a couple of more, like, end-arounds or – our screens that it's really take advantage of, of the speed that you're sending downfield. I've been saying this really for two years, but it's, yeah. I mean, they, they, they've got to get at a game where it's five degrees out, you're not going to be throwing the ball all over the yard, you know, and they, they've got to, it, to me, the team that is going to be not only more efficient, but more patient is going to win this one. So you, does that include, you want more screens to Tyreek Hill? Is that, is that what you're trying to say mm. here? No way. No way. <laughs> Anyone but him running back screens. I mean, where did, where has that gone? But then again, anytime the dolphins try something like that, they've got three offensive linemen illegally downfield. So, you know, just like in the last game. So it's still better, still better about that one. I kind of feel, and I could be proven wrong. It's Raheem Moster. I feel like he should be a little better as a receiving running back than he is. Uh, it just kind of seems like there are sometimes with him, we we see a couple of just awkward jobs, maybe a body catch, but uh, that that's one scenario I, I think I'd like to where, I mean, if you do have Mostert out there though, in the backfield, I think you can target HN more um, as a receiver as well. Yeah. And what feeds into that too, is that the chiefs are a team that blitzes more than just about every other team in the league. They're the last time I checked, they were 32, 33% of the time they blitzed and they do that because they can really trust their cornerbacks. Uh, it's one of the best tandems out of, in, in the league out of nowhere, really. Uh, Trent McDuffie and, and Legereus Sneed at, at the cornerback spot, as well as Jalen Watson there in the slot. Um, so there is an opportunity from there. If if they're going to blitz, especially in a game where it's this frigid outside, being able to dump the ball off to Devon Achan on a screen pass, a player that the Chiefs did not see last time. Mm-hmm. that that could be that could be a secret weapon here i think the offensive line as a whole might even be in a better spot than it was last time too Tua was sacked three times in that game against kansas city but i think liam eichenberg actually uh i think he had to come in and play that game i, I should look that up i apologize uh but I, i'm starting to feel a little confident about what this offensive line is turning into obviously i know Tua's uh you know quick release has so much to do with it but this also is a unit that finished ninth in pro football focus grade and what they started like 14 different starting lineups. I mean, that group deserves a lot of credit, even though it's been a lot of uh, glue, duct tape, string, all, all that stuff, gum. For a organization that fired 11 offensive line coaches in 10 years, I was very, very certain that Butch Berry 
not doing a great job with the Broncos offensive line in 2022. I thought he was going to be horrid this year. I thought it was going to be a mess. No, he's been phenomenal. He's been, I mean, to me, the coach of the year on the Dolphins staff. And, you know, to be in, be all together, the Lester Cottons and the Liam Eikenbergs. Uh, also, in the, you know, going back to the to the Bills in the last game here, too, I, I can't blame the offensive line for any of that. You know, they played really well in that game. And mm-hmm. that that's kind of the most frustrating thing about it. It would be easy to blame the edge rushers and the interior offensive line for the Bills loss. You can't. I mean, it was pretty much everything else that cost them that game. But, yeah, I mean, they've got a big task as well this week because you've got Chris Jones at D-tackle, one of, one of the best in the league, arguably the best interior lineman in the AFC over the past five or six years. George Karloftis on the edge had a, a good game against the Dolphins last time too. So, yeah, they're, they've got to be up to the task. But, you know, if they play like they did against the Bills – then, then th- this offense is certainly off to a good start. You mentioned A-Chan only getting two carries in the second half last week. Uh, it, it's interesting because that's 100% true, but I also do think that the Miami Dolphins had opportunities passing the football. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I, I'm starting to feel that, I mean, it's so important to keep in mind, this is Mike McDaniel's second year ever calling plays. It kind of seems like he's fallen into, I don't even want to call it a trap, but he's very book smart. So if he sees a formation or he sees a skill group, he's going to attack that where sometimes he still needs to learn that street smart where you just kind of want to trust Robert Hunt to win a one, one, one-on-one in isolation, excuse me, or something like that. That's kind of where I'm starting to settle in. And hopefully this game and moving forward, we start to see that um, diversity. But I just think that I've heard both sides say, you know, passing attack, there's opportunities. They should run the football more. And I think both are true. Yeah, you're exactly right. And when you look at the passing game last week, I mean, look, Jalen Waddle was missed badly. And because with him out, the Bills are one of the teams that that finally in that situation said that we're going to give Tyreek Hill the attention he deserves. And mm-hmm. it was a, it was a it was a tough game when he had seven catches for 82 yards and he had two massive drops in the fourth quarter, one of which would have tied the game. The other one would have brought the Dolphins back from second and 15. I mean, just huge. And in addition to that, when when the strong safety walked down, the Dolphins did not have the receivers to take advantage of it. They basically said, we're going to get these these cornerbacks in your face, and you're not going to beat us with Tyreek Hill. You're going to beat us with Cedric Wilson and Chase Claypool in one-on-one coverage, and they couldn't do it. So that's, that's where the problem is. But Jalen Waddell coming back this week, uh, just him being on the field, I think, changes the entire dynamic because the receivers have to play better, too. It has to play better. And in addition to what we've said, tier two, um, as far as play calling, you're right uh, on what you said with Mike McDaniel and, and with Frank Smith. Tua also has the ability to change plays. That's mm-hmm. that's known. This is not Ryan Tannehill and Bill Lazor <laughs> 10 years ago where Tannehill either couldn't audible or could only do two plays. Tua mm-hmm. can do whatever the hell he wants. And he didn't uh, audible into the right place last week. And that is also, was also very disappointing to see. Kat, before I get your game prediction here, it's been kind of an interesting day here in the NFL. Actually, a couple interesting few days here. Uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots parted ways. Nick Saban saying he uh, is stepping down as coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Pete Carroll saying he's going to step into more of a, I think a, front office role with the Seattle Seahawks. So, man, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the NFL really doing like a 
hard reset, like a hard update, something where the NFL, man, the, the league we spent the last 15 years growing up with, uh, not a bad thing, but it, it's changing. It sure is. I mean, when was the last time that Bill Belichick wasn't the coach of the Patriots? It was in the 90s. It was 1999. I mean, I was five. Let's see, hold it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're about 10 years younger than me. So yeah, that was, that was, that was when I was in high school and Pete Carroll was the coach of the Patriots before that. And then that's crazy. And he, so he's been here for a long time. And I, I've, I've said this to every Patriots fan has asked me, um, Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. He's also a dinosaur. He needs to go. And he was starting to, I believe, hurt the team. Uh, not necessarily with what he did on game day, but also really the, the personnel decisions that made over the last couple of years. I mean, you had $200 million or whatever they had a few off seasons ago and you spend it on Janu Smith and Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne and guys that I, when I heard they signed them, I'm like, what did they pay them? I craziness, but um, either way, I guess, I guess for the long haul, it's, it's good not to have Bill Belichick uh, in the division anymore. I expect the Patriots to uh, draft a quarterback here uh, with the first two or three picks of the draft. Offensive-minded head coach, you're feeling? That's the direction yeah. you think they'll go in? Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if Drake May from North Carolina uh, was not a New England Patriot. I think it's interesting. I might be wrong, but the at least for this season, last season, I think Miami is the only team in a division with three defensive-minded head coach as the only offensive-minded head coach. Uh, and I'm just interested to see how that dynamic starts to fold. And we always can say that, hey, the reason Bill Belichick's leaving the Patriots is because um, – he just couldn't beat Tua. He just couldn't figure him out. He does. Uh, Tua does retire Bill Belichick in the division uh, undefeated against him, which is who who would have thought that a few years ago? Um, and look, I'm, I'm really looking for Tua to have a to have a bounce back game because, man, he saved the worst for last last week. I mean, his worst game. Um, the interceptions, I, I don't even think were unforgivable, but just in the second half, three and out, three and out, three and out. Yeah not audibling into runs. I mean, you know, but the other part of it too is look, we have to remember, and, and this is where things can go off the rails as far as talking about Tua in the, in the grand scheme of things, number one in the AFC yard passing touchdowns, completion percentage yards per attempt points scored for an offense and offensive yards. Okay. With Tua quarterback, you can talk about the schedule, those things don't happen for an entire season by accident. So improvements need to be, but you look at the narratives from the last three off seasons, three off seasons ago, it was about uh, how bad of a mistake the dolphins made by taking, by taking two over Justin Herbert. That's proven to be untrue. Then the next off season. Uh, yeah. Two is not too bad, but he's not going to be able to ever elevate an offense. Then this past offseason, yeah, Tua elevated the offense, but he's never going to play 17 games. Well, he just did. So mm-hmm. people, there, there's a, a large percentage of people and Dolphins fans who have lost the credibility at this point to say what Tua, Tua is and is not capable of doing moving forward. So just wanted to throw that in there too. And I'm, I'm rooting for this guy big time and as well as the rest of the team, obviously, but I don't want Tua to go to go down in the final two games like this. Yeah, the growth, right? Growth every year we've seen it with Tua. And just to end his fourth season with that growth, I mean, 
that's that storybook. Let's get you that bag type of way to end the regular or end the season. If he can go in there, go into Kansas City and get some sort of statement win. So, Cat, we spent 35 minutes talking about it. It's always very therapeutic before the game to chat with you. So, how you feeling? Do you think Tua can go in there, have that statement game? And just to be clear, if it doesn't happen, if it's a struggling performance, I am nowhere near saying get rid of Tua. But it's always a little more fun to uh, walk down the uh, positive scenarios than the negative. Right, and look. This is a winnable game. The, to me, the Chiefs and not far. Vegas agrees with the Chiefs favored. I think the three and a half. They were three and a half. That might have gone up to four or four and a half. But regardless, yeah. the Dolphins would have been favored in Miami if this game were played there. So, and the Dolphins do have an advantage of again being able to run and stop the run better than the Chiefs. Chiefs are also playing at home. It's the loudest stadium in football. It's five degrees. That right there just does not sound like a Miami Dolphins win. But, Jake, if they do win, it will be their first playoff win in 8,410 days. Okay? Their last win, playoff win, was December 30th, 2000 against the Colts. How old were you then? Let's see. uh, Six? Six. Yep. Yikes. That was 16. So, Um, But uh, I'm really dragging people to the end. I I think the Chiefs win. Um, I'm going – I'm going to go I'm going to go 2117 Chiefs on this one. I think Merrick said 12 to 9 and that'd be like the least surprising score ever. I I think this can be a very weird weird game and the reason you know I say this a few times all of a sudden that means it's going to be a very high scoring game just cuz that's the way these things work. No, but I I agree with you. I I think that it's important to keep in mind the Kansas City Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest at finding answers. Andy Reid is a hell of a head coach. And the Dolphins are still figuring things out, right? I mean, I think yeah. what makes everything so hard, so frustrating is the stars were aligning for that 1 p.m. game if you're at home as that two seed. And just to see that go away has just made everything else so, so much more frustrating. And piggybacking on what you said there, too, about how it could be an unexpectedly high-scoring game, the last – this is going to be the Colts Dolphins played since uh, December 2008 against the Chiefs in mm-hmm. Kansas City, and that game was 38-31 Dolphins. Tyler Thigpen was quarterback for the Chiefs in that game, and that was a game the Chiefs got out to. Their Chiefs won, I think, two games that year only, and off they got off to a 14-0 Dolphins. It was like Jamal Charles' breakout game, and then the oh, Dolphins came awesome. storming back. But yeah, I mean, just for argument's sake, if it's five degrees outside, it's probably going to be lower, lower scoring. I, on second thought, I, I kind of like your, I kind of like his prediction of twelve to nine a little bit better. I'll stay with twenty-one to seventeen Chiefs, but um, yeah, I mean, just get us one playoff win. Come on. Yeah, I'll do this. How about if it, if I took, would you take the over under if I put it at two and a half touchdowns in this game? Probably over. I mean, you have you have twenty-one seventeen, so. So it, I wonder what, what is what is the over under here of this game? I, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I that real quick. Yeah, I mean, let's. I I think so. I said 38 points. Uh, so the over under is 43 and a half. Yep. So I I felt a little ambitious there for both offenses, and still came up with 38 points. Um, they came up with 21. So, Cat man, it's always a blast to talk with you. Uh, Merrick and Josh are actually going to be doing another show. They're jazzed up for the playoffs. So look out for that. It'll be some sort of Saturday morning special. So 
throw the cartoons away, you'll want to listen to Merrick and Josh. But that is it. That is all the time we have here on another Dolphins podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Go Dolphins. Get us that playoff win. And until next time, 